0: Hello and welcome to the Village Church Podcast. My name is John, and we are glad to have you join us. We work to deliver our most recent preaching content to you as soon as possible, so let's get into God's Word together. If you have a Bible with you, and I hope you do, the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you do not have a copy of God's Word, there are some on the table back there. Please go and take one. If you do not own a Bible, please take one off the table back there. If you have a child that needs a Bible, there's some children's Bibles back there. Please take them and give someone a copy of God's Word. Get God's Word open and in front of you this morning. It's where we're going to be. It's interesting. I consider, I don't know why so many people choose to go to church on holidays. I'm aware that you may be here today and it may be This may be part of your holiday tradition and I'm thankful that you are here. But I want you to know that I have been praying very intentionally this week. You are not here simply because it is your tradition to go to church on a holiday. You are here Because the ever-loving kindness of our God and our Savior, through the power of His Holy Spirit, has drawn you here to hear the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the hope that we have through Him by faith, and the hope that we have for His return and our eternity with Him. This is why Christians gather every Lord's Day. And I am glad to be with you this morning to open God's Word with you. I want to give a brief introduction to the book of Thessalonians because typically I I don't just preach somewhere in the middle of the Bible. We typically work our way very slowly at times through God's word, a chapter, a verse, a line, a word at a time. But today, because of the resurrection, a specific word from God's word, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to Christians at Thessalonica. Its main theme, Throughout the book, it's five short chapters, and then there's a second letter that he wrote to them as well. Its main theme is the sanctification of God's people. You may be here today and you may not know what that means. You may may be here and you may not be God's people at this moment. But there are a great number of us, and in fact, I would be willing to believe that a majority of us in the room, I pray, are here because we belong to God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sanctification, the Bible says, is the process of the Holy Spirit of God cleansing us from all unrighteousness and all sin that is out of place in the life of those whom God has redeemed. 1 Thessalonians, the main theme of the entire five chapters is the sanctification. When, through faith in Jesus Christ... The grace of God saves your soul according to his mercy by the power of his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into your life and begins to cleanse you, to change you. A life professing faith in Jesus Christ that never changes is a life that has falsely or in error professed faith in Jesus Christ. You may be here today and say, Pastor, I, I think that I'm a Christian and I, I have faith in Jesus, but if your life has never changed from the first time you ever uttered, Father, forgive me, save me, if there has been no movement of change in your life, we are left to understand that that profession was somehow False. And you have not believed the pure and simple truth of the gospel. You have been led somehow astray. A life saved by the grace of God is a life changed now and forever. Paul is thankful for the Thessalonians. He says in chapter 1 verse 3 that he's thankful for their work of faith and labor of love and steadfast hope, steadfastness of hope in Jesus Christ. To the Christians in the room, those who profess faith and are being changed and conformed to the image of Christ's Son, I pray as well, and I am thankful for many of you, I pray that there is a work of faith and a labor in your life, that there is a steadfastness of hope in Jesus Christ. Anybody watch the news this week? Anybody paying attention to the news at all? I mean, I love it when hands don't go up because let's not be distracted by the world. But if you're watching the news, you are aware of the hopelessness that abounds in this world. Through Christ, we have a steadfastness of hope. Paul says he is thankful for their work and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in Christ Jesus. In chapter 1, verse 7, he says that they are an example. The church in Thessalonica, an example... To all the churches, he says, in Macedonia, he says, because their faith has sounded forth everywhere. He's thankful that this body, this gathering of Christians in Thessalonica, faith is sounding forth from them. Boy, this is my prayer for the village church. Indeed, it's our church prayer, it's our prayer as a church that. Faith in Jesus Christ would sound forth from faithful gospel preaching churches filled with gospel living Christians. That faith would sound forth. One of the greatest reasons that he is thankful, Paul gives us in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. Any Kids for Truth Club kids in the room right now? Let me see your hand if you're Kids for Truth Club kid. There's one walking across, kids over here. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you received it not as the word of men, but as what it really is. The word of God, which is at work in you, believers. Kids have been memorizing that. So I ask they're in here because that's part of their memorization each week. And that is my prayer for you today, that as you are hearing to me speak, that you will receive God's word for what it truly is. Not mine. His word. His authority. I pray that you will receive God's word. Would you look with me? First Thessalonians chapter 4. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are thankful for time to sing your praise. We are thankful, God, to come before your throne, not just through Christ, but in Christ. We are thankful, Father, for your spirit active and working in our hearts and our lives. But God, in this time and in this moment... With plans abounding, with family get-togethers, with restless children, I pray, Father, for an attention to what this word really is, the word of God, your word. I pray, Father, for every heart in the room, young, old, and everyone in between, God, that there would be an attentiveness to your word, to your truth. Father, I pray that you would show us the hope that comes through faith in Jesus Christ through the resurrection. I pray, God, that the preaching of your word today would humble sinners to repentance and salvation. I pray, God, that holiness would be promoted among your people. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would exalt Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. I want to offer you, I pray, as I've... Prayed and spent time. It's been several weeks that I've known I was going to be in this passage, and I, I wavered. There were other ones I looked at, but I just kept coming back here and felt the Lord settling me in this passage for Easter Sunday. I, I pray and hope to give you four hopes that we have as Christians through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For the note takers, I'm gonna give them to you right now. And so we'll kind of do the end of everything at the beginning, and then we'll start all over and walk through it to the end. Four hopes. One, Christ will return. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and through faith in Him, we have hope that Jesus Christ is returning to this earth to claim for His own His people. Two, those who die in Christ will be kept in Christ. You are not dying with faith in Christ to some emptiness, you are kept for Him. Those who live in Christ, equally kept in Christ. We stand steadfast in our hope and our faith, kept secure, Christ says, in my hand where no one can take them. And at Christ's return, we have hope that he is returning at Christ's return, the living and the dead in Christ will be eternally united with Christ. If you're in this room today and you do not have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, these are not your hopes. This is not your hope. You can look at it and you can aspire to it, but without faith in Christ and the working of the Holy Spirit in your life, these are just empty words. It is my prayer that as we are here this morning worshiping God on this Easter Sunday that you will be brought to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Today is Easter. Would you turn your attention with me to the opening phrase of verse 14? For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Since we believe you're here, we're here since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. If we did not believe that Jesus died and rose again, we we wouldn't be here. Easter Sunday would be just Sunday. And we'd barbecue or something else because what would be the point if we did not believe? Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, I want to share with you at the very beginning of this message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 5, tell us this very simply. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised again to new life. He was seen by many, appeared, and he was taken up into glory, resurrected, appeared and resurrected, This is the gospel. This is the simplicity of the gospel. Whatever meandering path you have been taking along religion's various trails through churches and towns and I don't know what, throughout all of the world, the gospel that's being proclaimed at its core and in its truth is that Christ died for our sins, was buried, resurrected, appeared to many, ascended on high. That's the gospel. Died for our sins. 1 Thessalonians 4.14 says, Since we believe that Jesus died. It's great. Why did he die? What did he die for? What's his purpose in dying? 1 Corinthians tells us he died for our sin. We deal with this a lot. Regular faithful at the village church. We talk about this almost every single week. But God created man perfect and sinless, holy, able to not sin. He put them in the garden and said, keep it and enjoy all of it, at its core, fruit and what you're supposed to eat and not eat and all that, Christ, the word, comes to Adam and says, obey me. Do not eat of that one tree and the fruit of it. Obey me. God's word comes to Adam and says, obey me, for in the day that you disobey me, you will die. Adam is, regardless of what you believe, Regardless of what you think, I am not here to speak to what I think or what I feel. I'm here to proclaim the truth of God's word. Adam is the head representative of all humanity. And in his sinless state in the Garden of Eden, in his sin, he ruined for all of humanity throughout all of time our righteous standing before God. We are all descended from him, we come from him, and as our representative, Adam broke humanity in his sin, in his disobedience. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 tells us that sin came through one man, Adam. It goes on to say, so death came to all, because all sinned. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Listen, Pastor Guy, it's Easter Sunday and I didn't come here to hear this dirge that you're saying to me right now. I understand that. I I recognize that these are not the most pleasing of words. For those with faith in Jesus Christ, you're hearing these words and thinking, glory, hallelujah, Christ is risen indeed. Hey, I'm a good person. Well, I I didn't say you were a bad person. But do you obey God? Because... Disobedience before God is sin. And in all of your goodness, which you don't have, really, in all of your goodness, do you obey God? Well, yeah, I I think I do. It's an easy litmus test. It's the Ten Commandments. It's such an easy test for us. Do you have other gods before you that are not God? You shall not make for yourself an idol or worship any false god or graven image. I am the Lord your God. You shall worship me alone and have no other. Do you worship God as God? Do you reverence his name? I'm not asking if you say curse words attached to his name. I'm asking, do you reverence the name of the living God of heaven? Worship him. He says, you will worship me as God. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not have an idol. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You shall worship me. Spend time in worship of me. Even to the more granular aspects of life. Do you love and honor your father and mother? So many fathers and mothers being honored today by the presence of their children. And I just love that. I love when families come together into church. It's a great opportunity for us to ask, am I honoring my father, my mother that I'm here with. As an adult, am I honoring my father and mother as God would have me to honor them as my as my physical head in this life? I came from them. Do you honor them? Do you murder? No murderers in the room. The Bible says if you hate your brother in your heart, you've committed murder. Do you hate? Do you hurt other people? with your words, with your actions, you can see how this spirals out of control so quickly. I'm a good person, yes, but do you obey God? You're a good person, but do you obey God? You shall not commit adultery. You shall not give false testimony. That you do not lie. That you're not deceitful. That you do not covet that which belongs to other people. Do you do these things? Because doing these things is obedience to God. Do you obey God? Because to disobey God is to sin. And it affects all of us because of Adam's sin. So wait, you're telling me that because of one guy's sin, I'm a sinner deserving death? No, I'm telling you that we're all sinners deserving death. Man wants to make this distinction. There isn't one before God. We are all equally sinful. We are all equally dead in our sin. We are all equally in need of the Savior, every one of us. So now as we start to feel this divide happening in the room through, I think that person has faith in Christ because they look like a Christian more than I do. They were singing the songs and I wasn't. Stop. We're all sinners. We all disobey God and we are all in need of help. Sin demands a cross. And our own death could not atone for our sin. Do you understand? Well, why couldn't I just atone for my sin? Because your death is deserved because of sin. There's nothing special about, I want to be careful saying this, There's nothing special about a sinner dying for their sin. It's what our sin requires. Do you understand? In the day that you disobey me, Adam, you will die. And all of mankind dies and has died because sin came to the world. We have been separated, spiritual death, spiritually dead because of Adam's sin. Even born into this life, we are walking dead people. We need something to help us. The Bible says in our sin we are helpless. The Bible says in our sin we are powerless. The Bible says in our sin we are dead. Do you understand you came this Easter Sunday and it's not help that you need. It's new life. You need to be made new. You need to be reborn. Reborn. You are spiritually dead without faith in Christ. Powerless, helpless. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 tells us that death came by a man. And then it gives us this hopeful phrase. By a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. We get all worked up about people coming back to life from the dead. I'm getting worked up thinking about the gospel sounding forth everywhere from gospel churches and people being resurrected from spiritual death to spiritual life, changed in this life with hope of eternity through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We need new life. And so the Bible says that at the right time, the perfect, the righteous, the holy, Eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ. Stepped into time. Remaining fully God, becoming fully man, and died for us. Sometimes we say words that we don't understand. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And we, we just say it flippantly without mining and drilling into. What does that mean? Why? Why would God Come as a man, Jesus Christ, and die for us. Fully man, fully God. What are you talking about? Here's the clarity for you. Fully man, that he might perfectly obey God. We could not. Adam broke that for us. Adam perfectly disobeyed God. And no man has ever perfectly obeyed God since fully man that he might perfectly obey God, that he might sympathize with our weakness. I want to talk to this. Listen, this isn't just your struggle in life, do you understand? Oh, it is. It is your struggle in life. But this also, when the Bible says that Christ sympathizes with us in our weakness, this is the body of this death that the eternal Son of God, took on the man Jesus Christ, remaining fully God, becoming fully man, and experienced everything in his life that we experience yet without sin. He sympathizes with you in your struggle against sin and in your everyday struggles. Christ was hungry. He was homeless. He had friends that died. He, he, He was considered a wild man and persecuted by people who should have embraced him like There's nothing that Christ did not endure, do you understand, that we do not endure fully man, that he might perfectly obey God, sympathize with our weakness, and suffer punishment for sin as a man. Because man sinned. Man needed to atone for sin. Yet fully God. Fully God, fully man. Fully God. That his obedience and his suffering would be perfect and effective. John the Baptist, when Christ shows up to be baptized, John the Baptist sees and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, perfect, spotless, without sin, without error, tempted in all ways as we are, but did not sin fully, God. That his obedience and his suffering would be perfect and effective. And here's the big one. Able to bear God's judgment for sin and overcome death. This is the difference between a sinner dying in their sin and the eternal Son of God dying for your sin. Dying in our sin is what we deserve and there is no coming back from death in our sin. It is deserved and we die. And Christ in his death In our world and in our day, we remember this on Good Friday. Perhaps you attended a Good Friday service where it was focused on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for sin. He died for us. He was buried. Any of us are just buried. But the Lord Jesus Christ, fully man, died for our sin. His obedience was perfect, died as a man, as God. His obedience and his suffering were complete and effective for us in ways that we could not atone for our sin. Able to bear God's judgment and yet overcome dead. But not just dead. Not just dead. Never dead. The Bible in other parts refers to Jesus Christ as the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Paul says in Romans, dead. I love the I old King James. Yea, rather. Alive. It was not meant to be dead. Jesus died and rose. Any gospel that preaches the death of Jesus Christ and does not preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ, flee, run away. Do not listen any longer to such lies. Any gospel that leaves out the resurrection is not complete. It is misguided, it is misdirected, and your hope is in something lacking because we believe Jesus died and Rose again. Not just dead, rose again. Romans chapter 4 verse 25 tells us, he was delivered up for our sin. That is why he died. We could not atone for our sin, Christ did. He was delivered up for our sin, and the verse goes on and says, and raised for our justification. Do you understand that Christ did not just die for your sin? Christ died to make you right with God because of your sin, justified freely through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, delivered up for our sins, raised for our transgressions, and now the true gospel sounds forth everywhere. You may be here today a skeptic. I'm aware that skeptics are in churches every Sunday looking for answers, looking for truth. I don't think I believe, but Do you know how quickly this ritual observance would have ended if Christ had not died and risen again? It's 2022. If we say that Christ was born in zero, and if we believe that he lived an average of, let's say, 33 years, we're still 2,000 years removed. And on the first day of the week, God's people gather to celebrate that empty tomb at early dawn. We, we don't even remember kids' birthdays and names, let alone gathering in the name of the risen Lord Jesus Christ for 2,000 years. If it did not happen, you sit in your skepticism and say, Prove it to me. I say to you, the fact that 2,000 years removed, we're still talking about this, it happened. Believe the gospel. The gospel sounds forth everywhere. Repenting of sin and trusting by Christ in faith. How am I saved? You're talking about this gospel. You say, I need to be saved. You're talking about this. How am I saved? The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord. There's no mechanic involved. There's no ritual phrase. I'm not going to offer for you to come up front, to kneel, to sign a card, to raise your hand, to walk an aisle, to stand. I'm not going to tell you to do any of those things. The Bible says to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Repent of sin and believe the gospel. This question has been resounding since Christ was on the earth. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection, Jesus said. I am the life. I am the way. I am the truth. Do you believe this? Through faith in Jesus Christ, we are recognizing a miracle. The grace of almighty, holy God reaching, as David said, into the miry pit and pulling you out. The grace of God, according to his mercy, saving you, applying Christ's death to your sin, applying Christ's righteousness to your life. The Holy Spirit moving into you, regenerating the soul. What is that regenerate? You've already been generated. You're alive right now. What we need is new life. And the Holy Spirit of God, according to God's mercy, by his grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, comes into the life of a person and makes you new in your life. Our faith in Jesus Christ, the confession of Christ as Lord, the belief in our heart is the recognition of what God has done to save your soul. Oh, but it doesn't just end there. Oh, that I could just stop preaching at the gospel and be done. But the gospel, when we're done preaching it, when we're believing it, it then directs our life and it gives us hope into the future, in this life, and into eternity. We have two views as Christians. One, we look straight ahead of us. We see the horizon. Two, we lift our eyes to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and his second return. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. We do not want you, brothers, to be uninformed. This is good news. As if the gospel's not good enough, this is good news. God wants you informed. Do you understand? God wants you to learn and to know. Specifically, God wants us to be informed about death. Specifically, God wants us to be informed about the death of Christians. Bible says God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But the wicked in their sin will die. God is righteous and he is holy to punish sin. You may be here today and you may read the Old Testament and one of your arguments to maybe be, I can't believe in a God that you say is loving when I read the Old Testament and I see that same God telling his people in some land to go in and to kill the people of that land. I've read the Bible and I see where this God that you are proclaiming today tells his people, do not leave man, do not leave woman, do not leave child alive in the land. This may be a problem for you. Do you know why it's a problem for you? Because you have not come to understand the absolute detestability of our sin before a holy God. He cannot have sin. He will not abide with sin. And when God, when God condemns living souls to death, he is righteous in doing so. He is right in doing so. We struggle with this because we do not understand the gravity of how heinous Our sin is before a holy God. If you've understood this, you have wept countless hours on your face before God. When we come to grips with our sin, we are, Isaiah said, I'm undone. Woe to me, I am undone. Because he understood his sin before a holy God. God wants us to be informed about the death of Christians. Look what he says, verse 13. He says it once, those who are asleep. Verse 14, he says it again, those who have fallen asleep. Verse 15, he says it a third time, those who have fallen asleep. And then he shows us at the end of verse 16, he links those who are asleep with those who have died. Look what he says the end of verse 16, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Brothers, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who have fallen asleep. What does dead in Christ mean? You mentioned that, those who are asleep, dead in Christ, what does this mean? It means, it's the right question by the way, it means that you have, through faith in Jesus Christ in this life, answered the question that Christ Christ asks through the gospel. Through faith you have answered the question, you have observed the miracle work of God in your life, you have responded. Dead in Christ means that through that response, when we die, there is hope. We want you to be informed. Why? Why do you want us informed, Paul? Lord, your word comes to us and says, be informed. Why? Look what it says. That you, brothers, Christians, that you may not grieve as others do. Death is a reason to grieve. We as a church have grieved the loss of a loved one. Many of you have grieved the loss of a loved one. If you haven't grieved through the death of someone in your life, you will. Death is inevitable. Because of sin. We do not live forever in this life. Death is inevitable. We grieve. When someone dies, we grieve. When someone we love dies, we grieve. Every person grieves. We all do it differently. God's word comes to us today by way of Paul to the Thessalonian church and says that Christians are to grieve. I'm not a super Christian. When we lost our sister in Christ earlier this year, I grieved. She's having the best Easter out of all of us. I grieved. We grieve. We grieve, though. God's word says, through faith in Christ, we grieve with hope. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. The only real source for hope in this life, stop listening to politicians. They're doing work. That's great, but they can't offer you hope unless they're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stop checking your bank account. Stop looking on Facebook. Stop searching in all of these empty, rotten, dying places. They do not offer you hope. Only Jesus offers hope. Hope, we sing the song, I love the words. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus, blood, and righteousness. All other ground is sinking sand. Do not grieve as those do who have no hope. If you don't have faith in Jesus Christ or if someone you love died and they did not have faith in Jesus Christ... You have felt the utter emptiness, the utter hopelessness as people gather in a room and weep and comfort and grieve, and there is no hope present. As a pastor, I watch this play out over and over, and it is such an awful situation. Did they know the Lord Jesus Christ? Did they ever profess faith in Jesus Christ? Did they talk about the Lord? Did they strive to live according to his word? And I don't know how many times people have looked at me and said, no. Not even like, maybe they were a religious person. Like, okay, well, those are, those are words that maybe, maybe we can find some shred of hope in those words. But I have sat with families who simply say, no. There's no hope present." This person is just gone from life, not gone in eternity, gone from this life, separated from God, now eternally punished for sin. Why? Why the hopelessness, our sin? I want you to understand, the sin of man has caused all of man's problems. We've been studying forgiveness, confession, and repentance for four weeks, and we've been talking about the ark of scripture that displays God's glory and the redemption of fallen man. Man has always fought against sin since Adam's struggle in the garden. Ephesians 2, chapter chapter 2, verse 12 tells us. In our sin, this is your condition. If you are here this morning, living in sin, without faith in Jesus Christ, I want you to be very aware of your position right now before Almighty God. Ephesians chapter 2, in our sin, without faith in Christ... Ephesians 2.12 says we are separated from Christ. We are alienated both from the people of God and from promises made to the people of God. It goes on to say that in our sin, we have no hope. We are without God in the world. This is the position of fallen man without faith in Jesus Christ before a holy God. But no sooner does Ephesians 2 tell us our position than it offers the remedy. God's word doesn't just come in with the you're sinners and you deserve death and you deserve judgment without offering hope through Jesus Christ. As soon as Ephesians 2 tells us of our position, God's word comes in in verse 13 and says, but now in Christ Jesus. Pause, not in yourself. Not in your attendance of an Easter Sunday morning worship service. Not in your setting up chairs or, or, or singing or playing an instrument or greeting people at a doorway. Not through giving money, not through memorization, not through anything other than now in Christ Jesus. You who were far off, or maybe right now are, You who were far off, or maybe right now you are far off, have been brought near. Oh, you can be. Oh, you can be. You who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Oh, the death of Christ is a powerful thing. But Christ is not just dead. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. 1 Thessalonians goes on. What then? Since we believe, it's like a hinge point. For since we believe, verse 14 hinges, how can you say all of this? Oh, because of what's been said already. Because of what's going to be said in these coming verses. Christ is risen. He appeared too many. The Bible says that Christ appeared to more than 500 people at one time. And people just want a broad category and say, that didn't happen. Oh, it absolutely happened. And history says that it happened. Your skepticism is not skepticism of the reality of an event. Your skepticism is your sin blinding you. And the gospel of Jesus Christ would preach to you and say, shed the skepticism of your sin. And through faith, Blind belief in things that we have not seen, except the testimony of those who did see and be saved. Repent and believe the gospel. 1 Thessalonians verse 14 goes on. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep does that mean, through Jesus? It means that you're not going to be brought by God anywhere without Jesus. I am the way. It is through Jesus that we have the hope of the resurrection and the return of Christ and eternity with him. Even so, through Jesus, faith in him, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Look what happens next. Look at this. Look at verse 15. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. What did 1 Thessalonians 2.13 tell us? We thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you received it not as the word of man, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. And we declare to you by a word of the Lord, 1 Thessalonians, by way of Paul, the power of God inspiring him to write to you, you are being declared by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. I want to be careful. Do you understand that our world would just make it this very easy, we're all gonna end up in heaven some point in time. We all get there. It doesn't matter what anyone does. It doesn't matter what anyone says. It doesn't matter where anyone goes. We're all going to get there. Not true. Jesus himself says, broad and wide is the gate and the road that leads to destruction. And many are on it. And small and narrow and hard is the path that leads to everlasting life. And few are they that even find it. Not everyone is going to end up in heaven. And when God executes his righteous judgment on sin, he will not just allow those sinners into heaven, except for those sinners, covered, redeemed, washed, saved through faith in Jesus Christ. You who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Look what he says. We who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. always coming. With a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. All we're waiting for that day. This is the horizon, look. Lift your eyes. This is what's out there. We turn our eyes. Did you sing this song here at the Village Church? We turn our eyes to Christ. We turn our eyes and look. We are waiting. We are hastening the return of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Why? Not so that this can be done, this mess, this world, this life. Why are we hastening the return of the Lord? Because we want to be with God. Never more to sin again. Saved. Who returned, return, the voice of an archangel, a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. You know, it's interesting. These verses here, Paul is writing this, and they don't know when the return of the Lord will happen. So he's writing and saying, listen, if we're alive when Christ comes, we're alive when Christ comes. But if we die, Christ is still coming. Now an entire Group of believers that received this word about what will happen, they're all waiting for the resurrection. And the trumpet call of God, we will not precede them. They will rise first. And we who are left, those with faith in Christ, when Christ returns, will be caught up with those who have died before us. Centuries upon centuries of people. Believing God for his grace and his mercy. Not just 2,000 centuries. From the beginning of time until this very day, no one has ever come to the kingdom of God apart from the grace of God. Through faith in the promise for those prior to Christ and through faith in the realized promise of Jesus Christ ever since. Do you understand? It's all hinged always on the work of Jesus Christ All of God's people have always been looking forward to or back at the work of the Redeemer. And what do we find because of it? Look at the hope. Remember what I told you at the beginning? Verse 18 says to encourage one another with these words. Only Christians are encouraged by these. If you're not saved through faith in Christ, I pray that you will repent and believe the gospel today. Look at the hope we have, the coming of the Lord. Christ will return. When he does, he will judge the world because of sin. Verse 16, the dead in Christ will rise first because those who die in Christ are kept in Christ. And then we who are alive, because those who are alive in Christ are kept in Christ. And so we will be at Christ's return, the dead and the living in Christ united To get all of those saints, all of our brothers, all of our sisters, those that we have lost, those that we will lose in a moment. The verse from Corinthians said, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, just as quick as you can blink your eye, we're gone and we are reunited with those who have gone before us forever, eternally with our Lord. As I have been talking, are you realizing that you are without hope? Are you realizing that you are without God in the world right now? I'm not so foolish to think that every person in the room is going to turn in faith to Jesus Christ today. I want that to happen, but that's God's work. I'm just responsible for the message here today. Are you recognizing as I talk about the hopelessness that we have because of sin, as we talk about what sin is, as we talk about the redemptive work of Jesus Christ in dying for our sin, as we talk about him rising again to justify us through faith before God, are you recognizing your position before God as alienated from Christ? Cut off from the people of God. Do you feel, are you feeling strange as you sit here and listen to these words? While well, a lot of people in this room believe things that I don't believe, that should cause you a level of discomfort. That's okay. You're not a strange person. You're not out of place. I've felt that. People around you have felt that. That is the spirit of God confronting you and saying, repent, believe the gospel, trust Christ by faith. Are you realizing that you are alienated from Christ? Realizing that you are cut off from the people of God, cut off from promises made to the people of God, that you are without hope and without God in the world? If you are recognizing that right now, then I want to to tell you the Holy Spirit of God is drawing you to faith in Jesus Christ. Repent of your sin and believe the gospel. Repent. It's an open call. All who may come, repent of sin. What does it mean to repent of sin? It means turn away. Because a life saved is a life changed. We put away sin. Turn to Christ. Call on Christ and through faith in Christ, be saved. This is my appeal to you today. I don't care what you go on to do the rest of your life. I pray that you are hearing the gospel, that you are repenting of sin, and that you are turning by faith in your heart to Christ. What do I do? Then what do I do? The simplest of things, Listen, if this isn't a normal church for you, if you're here today visiting, I'm so glad you're here. Listen, grab a Bible on your way out. If the Holy Spirit of God is stirring in you, grab a copy of God's Word. you have a Bible at home, that's great. Go home, locate it, open it, and start reading the truth of God to you as his child. Repent of the gospel, repent of the sin, believe the gospel, turn to Christ in faith, grab a Bible and start reading it. And then... Start gathering with Christians. Listen, come back to this church. Go to another church. I don't care if you meet in a home church somewhere. As long as the truth of the gospel and Christians are united through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are the people of God. Turn from sin. Trust in Christ. Open his word. Live a life for him. Get involved in a regular gathering of believers. That's all I already told you. There's stuff on the table. Please take it and read it and know how do I follow God more. What is there more to this? Because if you're feeling God convict you of your sin and you're feeling the hopelessness, he is drawing you through faith in Jesus Christ to himself and there is so much more. He's gonna return. Those who are kept in Christ and die are kept. Those living are kept in Christ through faith and when he returns, we will be with him forever. This is the Christian's hope. We have hope, whether it's living or dying. Paul says, whether I live or whether I die, I live to the Lord, I die to the Lord. We have hope in life and we have hope in death that we belong, body and soul, to our God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord God, I... Thank you for your word. I pray, God, that it has had great effect by the power of your spirit upon those who have heard it this morning. I pray, Father, first for your people in the room, recognizing only two groups of people, those you have redeemed and those you would. I pray, Father, for the redeemed, that your word has brought hope, security in our faith in Jesus Christ and his completed work for us, his resurrection Father, that we are emboldened to live deeper in relationship with Christ. Father, I pray for those in the room who have not taken the step of faith in Christ, who have not professed faith in Jesus Christ. God, I pray for the skeptic, the doubter, the one who thinks they've been too bad, the one who thinks they've gone too far. God, I thank you for placing them in the village church this Sunday to hear the hope that is available through faith in Christ. Father, we as a church pray that we have been faithful in representing the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, that on the day they stand before you, they will be without excuse as to the truth of your word. Father, I pray that you would save. We have come to an end of ourselves. We can sing and pray and preach. Salvation is your work. God, stir in those hearts that you are talking to. Through faith, In Jesus Christ, confession of him as Lord and belief in their heart, God save them. Father, as we sing the hope that we have, be glorified, be lifted high. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have any questions about anything you just heard or if we can pray for you, please contact us at info at mi.com. Until next time, stay in God's Word.